Hi, everyone in NC Poll and CGA land. This is Don Vaughn, your intrepid politics reporter at the News and Observer. You'll be hearing from me more often on our Under the Dome episodes as I'll be taking on the lead hosting role on the podcast. So I'll talk to you soon. This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at Vice President Kamala Harris's latest visit to North Carolina, this time in Durham. For the News and Observer and the NC Insider, I'm Don Vaughn, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. For Monday, September 6, 2022, happy Labor Day, everybody. Uh, shout out to all the workers out there. Hope if you're working today, you get time and a half. So today I'm here with my colleague, Avi Bajpai. And our, our big news that we're talking about this week is something that just happened and will likely happen again. It was a visit from Vice President Kamala Harris, who came to North Carolina in Durham for to, to visit a senior center, also a big fundraiser. And she's been here before. She's been in North Carolina before. So Avi, who do you think she was targeting with her speech and her visit here? It's, uh, it's great to join you, Dawn. Um, so to, just to set the stage with Vice President Harris's visit yesterday, um, you know, pretty clearly the sort of objective of, of her trip yesterday and her decision to come back to North Carolina, which is obviously a very important state politically, um, you know, they really wanted to sell basically the administration's latest political victory, which is the Inflation Reduction Act, which is this uh, very large sweeping um, uh, spending bill that was just passed a couple of weeks ago, covers uh, climate change, covers uh, tax issues healthcare costs. And that's basically what uh, Vice President Harris was here in town yesterday talking about. Uh, she visited a senior care uh, center in downtown Durham. She was talking with with uh, seniors and with uh, advocates for um, for healthcare uh, reform and expanding access to healthcare, basically talking to them about all the different provisions in this legislation that will try to bring down the cost of healthcare, bring down the cost of pres uh, prescription drugs, um, basically allow things like allow Medicare to negotiate the prices of prescription drugs um, and also set a cap for the cost of insulin, which has been a very big issue affecting lots of people, obviously. Just for Medicare, though, right? The insulin cap just for Medicare? Yes. So obviously a very interesting visit um, coming coming back to Durham. She was here uh, most recently in March. So her, it's her second visit to the Bull City this year. And, um, you know, I think... What I was saying before, North Carolina is uh, is a key state. There's a very big uh, pickup opportunity for for Democrats. They have a very, very slim, the slimmest majority possible in the U.S. Senate. And uh, another seat would go a long way um, to the next two years of uh, of govern of governance, basically of lawmaking in in Washington. Um, so, yeah, very interesting to see her come back to Durham. So, Don, uh, you know, you've seen her in Durham before. We've uh, reported on her previous visits. Um, and, you know, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, what what exactly do you think is is her reason for coming back? Why? Why is Durham important here? Well, um, one side note on what uh, I wasn't in the field yesterday covering her. It was you and Lars Dolder, our colleague. And, and Lars went to the Center for, for Senior Life in Durham. Uh, longtime listeners know that I covered Durham for more than a decade. I remember when that when that senior center opened downtown, one of the best assignments, most fun assignments I had 
was a senior's dance, and it's not exactly what you would think. There was this woman who had a sparkly cane that she held over her head while she danced to the wobble. And I just thought, this is somebody I want to be when I'm 80 years old, because she was really full of life, really. So that's a that's a little bit about that center downtown. So I could see why why Harris would want to meet some of those those uh, Durham uh, older older Americans, uh, older residents. So anyway, she that's a variety of pack of places that she's been to Durham. She's spoken to a lot of places. Durham is about uh, racially half and half African-American and white um, with about uh, I mean, about 15 percent um, Latino population. And so turning out black voters has always been significant for Democrats, as uh, maybe people know or don't know, uh, black voter turnout was key for President o Obama winning uh, initially and and uh, motivating voters. Motivating voters really is, is what a lot of elections are about, especially in a purple state where there's there's the dividing line. So she's coming for one reason to motivate black voters to turn out for Sherry Beasley, who would be the first first black woman U.S. senator from North Carolina, which is a huge deal. Of course, the vice president uh, was once a senator, and she first came to Durham publicly anyway when she was running in the presidential primary, and I had, I had covered her then. And so she's made the rounds to a lot of different places. But it seems like the big reason that she was coming here was fundraising and, and money. And it was a private fundraiser that that Lars didn't know where it was until he was actually there with the pool. So it was promoted in that way, of, you know, for the big donors. And she was the draw for a lot of big money, big money people. The other factor of having an event in Durham or Raleigh or Chapel Hill around here is the media market, which, of course, includes us, the News and Observer, but also all the television stations. And you're going to get more attention when you come to a major metro area from from more outlets, which is also what they're what they're trying to do is, is get more attention to their visit. So touch a little bit on on money and, and you know a little bit more about this. And, and I kind of want to know your take on how much does money really play into into whether or not somebody wins? Or do you think it's a mix of ground game and money one more than the other it depends on the election? What do you think the different factors are? You know, I think it's it's really interesting. You mentioned uh, two of the sort of tactics or two of the two of the key components: uh, fundraising, spending money on on advertising, but also the ground game, um, going around knocking on doors. It's actually it's actually interesting. Yesterday, uh, several um, Republican officials, uh, the chairman of the uh, North Carolina Republican Party, and and a couple of Republican lawmakers um, had sort of a press call. Um, uh, sort of to counter the vice president's visit. And one of the things that they were sort of em emphasizing and, and mentioning, trying to uh, just make this point uh, crystal clear is, is, is their success with the ground game. They mentioned um, already surpassing their target of knocking on a million doors, and they want to do that. They want to replicate that between now and November. So I can talk uh, as far as the ground game go, goes, that's that's true. Republicans have been much better at that, especially during the, the pandemic. And Democrats acknowledge that after, you know, 2020, of course, President Biden won. But if we're looking at the state level and the seats in the legislature, which is a big deal this year, especially because of the Supreme Court ruling on, on abortion and that states have control over abortion laws, and so control of the legislature is, you know, obviously depends on 
uh, or the outcome of, of abortion legislation is, is who controls the legislature. And Republicans have very good ground game in the past. They think they still do. The Democrats have said that they're going to have a better ground game. We'll find out what that actually looks like. Uh, but some people don't want you knocking on their door and talking to them. Maybe they want to just give you money. Democrats are pretty good at raising money. And again, I guess that's why Kamala Harris came here was to to help to help drive that. So there's one other thing I want to touch on before we take a break. Um, Avi, where does the filibuster come into play with all of this? So the filibuster is is, is centrally important, I would say. Um, Democrats have said uh, throughout the party, the progressive wing has sort of been leading the charge on this. But uh, sort of centrist Democrats have come around on this as well. People like President Biden himself have come around on this. Basically, the idea of filibuster reform, um, either implementing carve outs. So basically, um, the filibuster is this Senate rule that says that a minority of, of senators can basically block any legislation unless there is a three fifths uh, supermajority to sort of proceed to a vote on it. So in in common mathematical terms, that basically means you need 60 votes to, to go ahead to a vote on any particular piece of legislation that it gets a little sort of trickier into the weeds, but that doesn't deal with uh, financial issues, I think is the easiest way to say it, spending and revenue. And this has really hampered uh, key parts of the Democratic agenda, legislation on voting rights, legislation on climate change, um, and other really sort of big ticket items that they wanted to pass they, they, you know, while they have control of Congress and the White House. Um, and this is sort of one of the key points that Democrats are running on this election. This is sort of going to be um, what voters will decide. Do they want to do away with parts of the filibuster, either some parts of it or completely? Um, and Kamala Harris was here yesterday basically telling donors in, the, in, in Durham, in the state, that, you know, Democrats want to go ahead and uh, make changes to the filibuster, either partially or completely, to pass the legislation that they identify as priorities. And they actually see North Carolina as one of the key states here. They right now have about 50 seats. They have 48. Um, there's 48 Democratic senators. There's two independent senators who caucus with them. And But there is some sort of public or pretty vocal resistance to this idea. Um, so you had the vice president yesterday basically identify North Carolina as one of the maybe down to just two critical uh, races this fall that will determine that where that goes forward. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back talking about democracy and more politics. And we're back. You're listening to Under the Dome, the News and Observer podcast. I'm Don Vaughn with my colleague Avi Bajpai. We were just talking about Kamala Harris's visit and what it means. And I'm pretty sure we're probably going to see her again. I don't know if we'll see President Biden coming to campaign for Sherry Beasley. Avi, why do you think maybe he won't come? I heard there was a poll. Yeah, there, there was a poll actually yesterday. As a matter of fact, while we were doing our reporting, um, High Point University came out with a brand new poll that showed that even though, you know, President Biden has been experiencing some success, they... There might be some relief in the White House nationally. Um, his approval rating hit a personal low nationally of 38% last month. It's rebounded back up to 44%. But um, but according to this High Point University poll that came out yesterday, his approval rating in North Carolina is down to 32%, which is uh, not a good sign politically two months out from the midterms and um, might be some indication as to why, as to why Sherry Beasley 
who is, uh, you know, running in basically the most important race or one of the most important races for North Carolina Democrats this fall. Um, you know, even though this fundraiser yesterday was sort of built to, to help candidates like her, um, she wasn't around. Um, she did not attend that fundraiser yesterday. I don't think she's been in at a lot of the big visits. And I don't know if reporters usually ask her campaign. I don't know if we've gotten the real clear as far as clear as like completely transparent answer as to as to why she's why she's not there. So we'll see about with any with any future visits. So before we get to headliner of the week, there's something else we wanted to talk about. There's this new event series that's traveling the state about elections and democracy and and has different people involved. Avi, you went to one of these this past week. What exactly is it? Who's part of it? What What's the point? What are they doing? Yeah, this is um, a series of town hall discussions uh, that a it's basically being conducted, being led by uh, a bipartisan group of people. I think the best way to describe them is uh, public ex-public officials. Um, many of them are uh, ex-judges or ex-attorneys, ex-prosecutors, but basically people who have spent some time working in the uh, in in the sort of legal system or in the election administration system, um, and it's it's run by two um, uh, two people in particular who are sort of leading the charge here. There's Bob Orr, who is a former associate justice of the uh, North Carolina Supreme Court, um, and then there is uh, Jennifer Roberts, who is a former uh, mayor of Charlotte. And they've basically convened the this uh, series of town hall discussions. They kicked things off with the first one in Wake Forest. And then there was one in Smithfield uh, the other night, which I went to. And it's, uh, you know, just based off of my observations, it's been a pretty interesting um, effort, a pretty eff- uh, interesting endeavor for them. Uh, you, you know, the, the event that I went to in Smithfield had a turnout of about two dozen people. And um, it's basically a chance for anyone who's concerned or, or just has any questions or um, wants to basically know how elections work. Uh, when they go to vote, how does the process work? How are their ballots counted? How are um, voters registered and verified? How are their identities verified? There's sort of been rising, rising distrust or rising mistrust in a lot of our institutions over the last couple of years. There's been uh, we've had two high-profile elections in 2016 and 2020 where there have been questions about um, legitimacy of certain races or certain elections and questions raised about the process. Um, there was a lot of scrutiny in 2020 when it took a couple of days for vote counting to actually finish um, and for a winner to be declared. And so, I, you know, I think this this series, which is basically going to, it's a it's a tour across the state. It's starting here in the triangle, but it's going to go across all over the state. I think it's basically a chance for a bipartisan group of of officials uh, or ex-officials, people from both parties to come together and answer questions that people have. Um, You know, the atmosphere in Smithfield was pretty casual, I think, in a good way. It's it's nothing too formal. You know, uh, we were sitting in a uh, in the historic courtroom in the Johnson County Courthouse and people just sort of come together. There's a box of cookies at the front door, you can grab a cookie and sit down and talk elections for 90 minutes and um, have your questions answered. So I think it's a, it's a, a good opportunity for anyone to 
avail if, if they're inclined, they should go ahead. What's the name of the event again? So listeners know. This is the Trusted Elections Tour. Um, you can head to their website, nctrustedelections.com, look up uh, when the next event is, see if there's one close to you. Um, and as far as I know, registration is free. Um, so pretty easy to register and head on down. All right. Well, now it's time for headliner of the week. My headliner of this past week is Coach K. Uh, my editor took out the line I had where I said, "If in case you've been living on another planet before explaining who Coach K is. So I'm not going to tell you all because I'm sure you know who Coach K is. Um, and I spelled Krzyzewski right on the first try. My very first day when I worked at the Herald Sun several years ago was that you you get this wrong. It's over. It's the unforgivable sin of, of misspelling Coach K's last name. So anyway, the reason I'm talking about Coach K is that Governor Roy Cooper, who we all know is a UNC fan, insufferable one with his light blue gingham shirt with uh, Speaker Moore for their bipartisan cheering of, of Carolina. Uh, so why was he having Coach K at the mansion? Why would Coach K go? Well, it was the Order of the Longleaf Pine, which is that pretty cool award. It's a high uh, honor that the that the governor can bestow, and it's it's really just a ceremonial way of thanking someone for their very long service to the state. It's the kind of thing that you give someone when they retire. And Coach K retired as obviously not from from public view, but from from being coach of the Duke men's basketball team. And I also will admit that I'm a Duke fan. I'm a Virginia Tech Hokie, go Hokies. But my local allegiance, really after working in Durham for so long, when I did, even though I live in Raleigh, uh, I became a Duke fan. I'm, of course, also an NCCU fan, go Eagles. So anyway, my headliner is Coach K for his uh, his induction into the Order of the Longleaf Pine. And a little side note, sort of a sub-headliner are the first dogs of Sadie, the very, very friendly Dalmatian that I love seeing on the mansion grounds whenever I'm there walking by and got to see uh, maybe more than just in passing Violet, the Cooper's rescue dog that they got oh, maybe a year or so ago. And Violet just trotted down the mansion steps like she owned the place, but didn't stop uh, at the microphone to take questions or anything. So that was that was a fun thing. So I guess my headliner is both Coach K and the and the first dogs. So. Avi, uh, who or what is your headliner this week? Yeah, I, I would just uh, say to listeners, that was a really great story that you did, Don. Um, very fun and uh, just really fun to read. So so definitely, yeah, go ahead and check that out. Um, for, for my headliner, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, our colleague uh, at the Charlotte Observer, Will Wright, who covers politics. Um, and he uh, did a, a very, very interesting story about what, is sort of billed as one of the top priorities for Republicans, um, for 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 state lawmakers, Republicans in the General Assembly. Um, you know, if they come back for the next session and they come back with a super a legislative supermajority, if they have the power to basically um, <coughs> circumvent uh, Governor Keep Cooper's veto, um, then one of their top priorities is this immigration bill. This bill that they've tried to pass in 2019, they also tried to pass it this summer and it failed both times. That would basically uh, require North Carolina sheriffs to cooperate with ICE, um, to cooperate with ICE detainers and uh, basically work with with federal immigration authorities. Um, that that was a very interesting story because we had um, we had uh, Senator Tom Tillis. We had Representative Ted Budd, who is, of course, running 
Is the Republican nominee to replace uh, Senator Richard Burr, who's retiring? And we had a bunch of uh, of state lawmakers, including House Speaker Tim Moore, um, all of these Republicans gathering in Lexington this week for a roundtable discussion with with some sheriffs about the importance of this bill. So I thought that was a very interesting look at how, you know, there are some other issues, you know, ever since the Roe decision came down, abortion has kind of dominated the the headlines as as it should, it's an important issue that you know we're we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, attention on in the in the legislature. But I think this is a uh, a close second or or something that will be equally important to to look for going forward. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have. I'm Don Vaughn with Avi Bajpai. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.